Hello, we're live. This is the first episode of, I don't know what the name of my podcast is going to be called yet. Maybe the Frank Cardona podcast. But uh, we're doing a test run here with my friend Tim. And I wanted to get him on the podcast because he's an extreme traveler. How many countries have you been to now, Tim? Hello. Uh, yeah. And first of all, can I just say it's an honor to be the first uh, interviewee. Uh, Frank, really appreciate it. Uh, 50 countries. I just hit 50. Wow. So, yeah. And a lot of them I've been to five, six, seven, eight times. So it's been kind of an obsession all my life, to be honest with you. <laughs> What's your passport look like now? Do you, uh, do you, have you gone through like a full passport? I've gone through a few passports that are absolutely full. Yes, sir. Because <laughs> I think when I get stamped, I think like two or three fill up one page. Maybe yeah. even a whole country when you exit in and out. I forget. Yeah, I got some pretty epic passports. A lot of stamps, a lot of stickers. Uh, you know, I've, I renew it every five years. So I got, you know, like my current one and about four others in the drawer at home that are totally full. So, uh, yeah, what can I say, man? It's an addiction. And it doesn't change, you know. It's just, I started when I was like 18 and it's, uh, you know, it's not something that come and, comes and goes over a few years. Yeah. It's, life, it's a lifelong uh, addiction. I think when lifestyle. you start, it's easy to want to keep going. Like whenever I come back to Vancouver after maybe two months, I already start getting that itch. Yeah, it takes about two months. I'm always happy to be home. You know, Vancouver is a great place to be based and... Uh, you know, that feeling of being really thankful to live here and all that, you know. Yeah, that lasts maybe a month or two. Then I start wanting to <laughs> head out again. Yeah, everything feels normal. I know every time I come back, I get that first whiff of fresh air from Vancouver. And I'm like, holy shit, that air quality here is intense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's, you know, you go to some places that are just, you know, they don't get any rain or, you know, it's the air is polluted. And you come here and you appreciate it, how good we have it. So, yeah, it's a good place to come home to, for sure. And um, what kind of traveler do you consider yourself? Are you, like, the typical tourist we deal with at our job or maybe a mix of a backpacker? Or now that you've gotten older and you're, you're traveled more, maybe you're not being, like, that intense backpacker who's living off, like, $4 a day. <laughs> like, what do you consider yourself now? Like, how, what, are you, what are your travel oh, strategies and shit? I have my moments. <laughs> I've, uh, you know what, like... Um, I'm sort of an adventure traveler. I, you know, I would rather stay in a hostel and, uh, you know, a good one, be comfortable and meet people from all around the world than stay in a four-star or a five-star, you know, and be bored out of my mind in a fancy hotel. So that hasn't changed. Uh, you know, I still, whenever I travel, look in, uh, at hostel world. And sometimes I'll get my own room or if I'm traveling with someone, get a private room. One thing I don't really like anymore is sleeping in a like a dorm with 10 or 12 others. I mm -hmm. think I've finally outgrown that. Um, you know, having someone come in at 3, 4 in the morning drunk and making noise when you're trying to sleep. Yeah, I'm over that. But, uh, you know, I definitely keep it... Uh, I'm not super budget. But, um, you know, and when you're traveling in some countries, you can afford to get a, you know, a, nicer, uh, a nicer hostel anyway. Or even a budget hotel. Yeah, I realized that when I was in Colombia that I was paying... Like, some of the hostels are nice, but like you said, you're living with, like, 12 people in the same room. And exactly. Yep. You can find these hostels, or some, I mean, hotels that aren't on, like, hotel apps, or if they are on the hotel app, they still cost as much as a hostel bed to just have your own private room, and you can be have that chillness. Oh, yeah. I love showing up to a place and going to a hostel that has a lot of people just so I 
you know you get social you get to meet a bunch of people yeah but uh, after a while yeah. you get tired of that environment of fucking boozing at the hostel bar every that's day. true and once in a while you need like a really good sort of nice proper bed in a proper room and you know in southeast asia for example you can get that for the exact same price as you would a hostel more or less you know cost the equivalent of maybe 15 20 dollars in some places for a really nice room sometimes you need that if you've been roughing it you know Mm-hmm. So I like to mix it up. I like to mix it up, I guess, to answer your question. Uh, mix it up between hostels and uh, hotels. And I haven't been camping in a long, long time. Uh, but I got a trip coming up to Jordan, and I'm really stoked about that because uh, I'm gonna, we're going to be camping in the desert and sleeping under the stars, and that's something I've never done. Uh, I haven't done for a long time since Australia and the Outback. So I'm really excited about How that. How did you find that? Tell us about this trip. How did you find this trip around the world? Like, were you just searching the internet randomly and just saw it and it just stood out? Or did you have an idea that you wanted to go through that region? Yeah, I've always wanted to actually go around the world. Like, just, uh, you know, start flying east or west and keep going until you come back to, you know, the city. I've always wanted to do that. It's been a dream. And uh, I never thought it was, you know, affordable or doable. Until recently, uh, you know, I found a website that kind of puts it together for you and turns out it's not that hard at all to do it um you know i've had kind of some bucket list destinations the last few years that i've i've been like okay now is the time to go um you know one of them being cambodia i wanted to go to angkor wat i did that i went to machu picchu in peru went to japan and the fourth sort of major um like bucket list destination is petra in jordan and uh, now is the time i've you know i'm gonna go in the fall as soon as work's over and uh, I said, you know what? If I'm if I'm that f- I'm going to Europe anyway to visit family and friends. And if I'm that far east in the Middle East, I might as well just keep going, hit up Southeast Asia, and you know, come home from there. Going to be about a five six week uh, odyssey. So you literally go like around the world. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> it's like twelve stops. What are the, the stops? Do you know them by heart? Uh, yeah. So going into Copenhagen, uh, Amsterdam. Going to go down to uh, Munich, where my family's uh, from. Uh, my mom's from there. Uh, my mom's going to meet me there. We're going to take the train down to Rome. Then we're going to go our separate ways. She's going back to her family in Germany. I'm going to go on to Jordan. I'm actually meeting a group there in Jordan, uh, a company called G Adventures. They're based here in Vancouver. And, uh, you know, I walked into their office and it was super chill. You know, <laughs> they got like a dog there. Everyone's just sitting around drinking tea. They were like, hey, man, you know, come on in. So I felt at home right away. Normally I wouldn't do group travel. Okay. But I thought, you know, first time in the Middle East, I'm going to be arriving at this airport at 2 a.m., I wouldn't mind being met by, you know, someone who knows the region and kind of going with a, a guide that knows it for, for a week. So they're going to be, uh, I'm going to be with this group. It was very decently priced. It's going to be budget accommodation, including camping in the desert. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, from there uh, down to Southeast Asia, Singapore, uh, Jakarta, Manila, and then back home. So you fly from Asia back to Vancouver? Exactly, yeah. Wow. 2500 Canadian for the whole thing. That's not bad, dude. <laughs> not bad at all, You no. could spend that in a month sometimes if you're doing a lot of adventure activities or getting on buses in a country. A lot, Yeah, a lot of return trips uh, yeah. cost that much. So to get that for, how long is it, five weeks? That's it's a pretty uh, good... It takes five and a half, so five, uh, not including the travel. So for people who are listening and haven't traveled at all, like that's how much you spend in fucking Vancouver in a month sometimes. On just living, <laughs> living your regular life, you could go around the world for that exact amount of money. Sometimes in two weeks in this city. Yeah, seriously, it's dude. insane, man. Yep. Uh, what What was the first country you ever went to when you were younger? Like, 
did you travel by yourself or did you go with friends? Well, um, yeah, it's funny. Like, uh, I was raised traveling because my mom's from Germany and we used to go back there all the time. Dad's Canadian. Um, and when I hit 18, was out of school, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in travel tourism, both work and, you know, and pleasure. I, uh, so I went to Europe for about four months, uh, got a URL pass. And um, that was it. I was hooked from that moment. Did you yeah. go by yourself? Yeah, I went by myself. I kind of based myself at my family's spot in Germany. And um, I had a URL pass. And back then, <laughs> you could, like, fill in the dates with pen on the pass. And they would, like, come along and stamp it. It was like a flexipass. It was like 15 dates in three months. And so we totally scammed the system. Like, a four became a five, became a six. So you get, we'd get, like, three days out of one, you know, one square. <laughs> I think they caught on to scammers like us, you know. I was in Italy one time, and they were like, Policia, Policia! The guy was, the, the train conductor was just looking at my ticket saying he was going to call the police, you know, if I kept scamming them. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Eh, it was an adventure, that's for sure. And uh, I was addicted. Went to Amsterdam that time as well. Um, and, uh, you know, the next year I was down in the South Pacific. Just took it from there. That was 19. <laughs> Age 19, I went to the South Pacific, Cook Islands. And, uh, fuck, I thought I'd found paradise. I've never seen anything like it before or since. And, um, you know, I went to Australia after that. And then I tackled South, uh, South America about five years after that. Was ready for uh, Brazil. Just happened to be working for a Brazilian oh, airline. Oh yeah, because I know you speak Portuguese now. Yeah, I speak Portuguese. How long were you there for? Uh, well, okay, I, I worked for a Brazilian airline for a while, so randomly while living in Amsterdam, um, and uh, you know, kind of fell in love with the country when I went down there for an airline course, which was all in Portuguese. I didn't understand a freaking word that was said. Uh, you know, the course was to learn the, the reservation system, and uh, you know. <laughs> That was all in English. The, the codes were all in English, but the but the uh, course was given in Portuguese. So, so that kickstarted you into the language. <laughs> that kickstarted me in the language. Yeah, that's good because I meet people who like go live in different countries, and yeah. since they hang out with foreigners or whatever all the time, they don't actually learn the language of. I mean, it's, it's not smooth though. It hasn't been fucking smooth. I mean, the first time I went to Australia, I had no money. I, you know, I had no credit card. I fucking ran out of money. I was living on this bag of seeds, going from hostel to hostel. I was about 20 years old, stealing food. Um, was you know. it still just as expensive <laughs> a, as people say it is now in Australia? Or? Yeah, like I went down on a working holiday visa, and I, you know, had the idea that you'd just be able to walk into tons of jobs, not thinking that, uh, you know, there's a thousand other backpackers looking for the same shitty job, right? I got lucky and got to work at the Aussie Open. I just happened to be in the right place at the right oh, time. Oh, really? The, the tennis but then after that it was all downhill you know I did every shit job you could imagine cleaning in pubs uh, fruit picking going door to door yeah I've heard about the fruit pickers <laughs> I think now if you want to stay in Australia longer than a year you have to fruit pick yeah, for three months you kind of have to experience it no but I mean it got to the point where I was out of money 100% and I couldn't find a job I was in Cairns Australia and I gave the guys at the front desk of the hostel I gave them my camera as sort of collateral because I couldn't pay for my room and I said, I swear, I'll get you this money, you know, soon, soon. And I uh, just you know, spent a week and a half just eating free food from the hostel and not paying. And one day, they, and I couldn't find a job. The only thing I had to my name was my ticket home. And uh, they finally came knocking on the door and they said, yeah, you got to pay up. This, this camera isn't doing it anymore. And I said, okay, I'll be right there, guys. You know, and I got my backpack on. It just went right out the back door and walked to the airport because I literally had nothing left except my ticket home. And I uh, went through a tropical rainstorm, everything. 
slept on the airport floor that night and uh, caught the flight home the next day. But I was happy, man. Happy as a pig and shit. Those are the, you know, the magic moments you look back on. <laughs> what, what was it like tra- traveling before the internet? That's something I, I just started traveling two years ago. So uh, obviously I'm on fucking couch surfing or on kayak, flight scanner and shit. Like what's it like setting up a trip or even showing up into a country with having all the information you need? Like you just have to wing it. I wow, dude, you're right, man. I'm trying to remember how I did that now. Well, you'd walk into a travel agency, first of all, to get your ticket. And in terms of hostels... Uh, just show up, I holy guess. Holy shit. Yeah, you'd show up in a city. You'd have to make phone calls, send faxes. <laughs> You'd have to send faxes and make phone calls to wow. the other side of the world. I don't even know how to use a fax. No, I don't think do I've they even still one. exist? I don't. I think it's a relic. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you'd show up and you know hope for the best. And yeah, you were really just winging it, really winging it. You'd have like a big book, like the Lonely Planet, and uh, it would just be word of mouth. You know, you'd sit in a courtyard with other travelers and just talk about. You know, they'd recommend where to go and what to do. Whereas now in a hostel, quite often everyone's on their phones. Although there, you know, there is still a lot of camaraderie. It's not the same though. I noticed that on my last trip when I was in Japan that everyone's kind of in their own world, even in a hostel, like in a in a common room. Whereas it used to be more uh, social. Imagine that could be said about society in general. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's permeated all over the world. Yeah, um, I feel the same. Like I use the internet when I'm traveling, but I still just when I. When I got to Colombia for the first time, I just went off word of mouth, like where people told me to go. I didn't really Google it or anything. Just like, yeah, this is cool. You can catch this bus this long. It'll take you this much. It'll cost this much, and I'll just go there. Man, I don't. Uh, I don't yeah. really like reading the. I read travel blogs sometimes, but I don't know. It just doesn't. Don't want to research too much or plan too much. You know, it kind of ruins it, like you say. And Colombia, that's another place I've been a few times now. I keep going back there. I didn't really research anything at all before I went there. I just. You know, I I watched uh, Anthony Bourdain, his, his segment, and he was like, wow, you got to go to Colombia. It's awesome. The food, everything, you know. So I'm like, okay, that's good enough for me. And uh, went down there, and basically I knew one person down there and uh, kind of traveled around on my own. It was It's an amazing country. It's uh, one of the best kept secrets in South America, I think. I think it's not a kept secret anymore. Like the second there, the eh? second time I went there, there were just so many Dutch people, so many Germans. Really? And they've like it's not I'm sure it'd be worse in other countries where there's like a carved tourist trail to go, but it's getting to that point now. Like so many people have the Lonely Planet book and Yeah, whenever I would go I was traveling by myself, but I would end up going to like three different cities or towns yeah. with people and uh, they'd be on the Lonely Planet book, they're like, Oh we gotta go here and I'm like, What? I don't know about this place. Yeah. And I would just follow them around. But oh, it's, man. it's there's a lot of international people there now, and it's yeah. pretty cheap. If you especially went down there with euros or something, like it gets expensive if you're taking buses all the time and you're doing like the adventure activities that cost a hundred bucks for the day. But you can live off like less than forty bucks a day, I would say. Yeah, I mean, uh, last time I just went to San Andres, which is an island. It belongs oh yeah, to that's Columbia. like the tourist resort, isn't it? It belongs to Colombia, but it's more near the Nicaragua border, and. Uh, I noticed, yeah, it's starting to get a bit, uh, it was definitely very touristy there. I mean, amazing. Don't get me wrong. It was absolutely awesome. But, yeah, uh, the people there are super nice. Yes, people are amazing. The there. second time I was yeah. there in Medellin, I didn't live in the tourist area. What's it called? Um, I forget. The tourist area. I went to live downtown. And before I moved down there, everybody's like, don't go there. That's where all the criminals are. So you're going to get <laughs> robbed. And 
Not once did I get robbed. Like sometimes I would walk home from a club or a bar downtown with friends. Yeah. And just shit faced and never got robbed. I got asked for money sometimes. Yeah. But I ended up making friends with the guy who sold me beer every day, the guy who sold me cigarettes. Um, the people, I went to like an old school gym that looked like it was out of the eighties and I started like building this little community in the area where people said, you can't live there. People who live out in the suburbs and the super nice areas, they're always like, you can't live down there. We only go down there for business cause that's where the business hub is. But you, after like five o'clock, you can't be there. It is so dangerous and it's a bunch of bullshit. That's absolutely bullshit. It's just man. a mentality there. Like yeah. people in Medellin are always talking shit about people in Bogota, yeah. people in Bogota and the different st- because everything there is stratified. If you get an apartment, there's like strato six, five, four, three, two, one. The lower you go, the poorer people are, and people assume that's where all the ghetto people are. Right. And I don't know. I find living with that kind of people is kind of nicer. They're always nicer. They're like when you go back to the higher end of society, everybody's on their phone. Everybody's exactly. Like, exactly. Feels like they're in Hollywood or some shit. Yeah. And yeah, like yeah, you get the real people in those places for sure. And super kind. Like these people live yeah. off like what I make here in like a day or two in Vancouver, and they're yeah. just so kind. Like yeah, the guy who I bought beer off would always give me free beer, free cigarettes, just because I always went there and would hang out with them for a while. And I guess you, I don't know. I always hear that with other travelers and podcasts and stuff like that. I say that people who live like in the most meager means are always the most generous. For sure. I mean, they wake up and they look at the day and they're happy, right? They don't know all the material shit that we know and. You know, uh, we you know, the pr- the pressure and the that we put on ourselves and our lives here, uh, they don't know any of that. You know, they're happy. Well, I've met the happiest people ever. You know, in places like Brazil and Colombia, Venezuela, some areas in Southeast Asia where you know uh, <laughs> nobody has anything. Uh, they're the happiest people I've I've met. You know, it's incredible. I've learned a lot from that actually. Um, you know, yeah, you I've, come I've back been through the favela. I was looking Bra- at a. I was looking at an Instagram account yesterday, and it was making fun of people in Vancouver. It's so super funny. It's called C-Bus Memes. Look it up when you get home. All right. And they're just There's make, a lot to make fun of, for they sure. They constantly <laughs> make fun of how people in Vancouver are always complaining about the weather or oh, everything's so expensive yeah. or whatever. And I find that in myself. I complain a lot about stupid shit when for I'm here. For sure. For sure. But every time I go back to these countries, I get, like, this culture shock, and I come back, and I'm like, Mom, thank you so much. Like, mm. in a way, I have access to the first world, but at the same time, like, it the attitude gets sucked into me sometimes. Like right now I'm complaining about being at work all the time and there's people that grind way longer and harder than we do for like pennies. Oh yeah. I mean, people work 12, 14 hour days, you know, and they make nothing and, uh, you know, (laughs) they're way happier than we are. I, in fact, I lived in Brazil for a year, uh, making a very meager salary just to kind of see what it was like. I was, um, I was teaching English and, you know, I didn't have any kind of teaching, credentials whatsoever i just kind of waltzed in and to a school there and they hired me on the spot just for being a you know a, uh, what do they call it that like a native english speaker and you know i made the equivalent of maybe uh equivalent of maybe 800 dollars a month you know and and lived down there and had an apartment hobbies friends just to see what it was like right to to, to live like that and a lot of these people it was just paycheck paycheck in fact they they get paid once a month and the last mm-hmm. week before their paycheck, they, no one had anything. So no one would do anything for that third week of the month before payday. Everyone was just broke. And then everyone would get paid, and then it was party time for, for a few days. And, you know, we just went through this whole thing every, uh, you know, every month. A lot of people, don't, you know, could never even dream of leaving their, their town or, or even their country, or, you know. But um, it was incredible to see that, actually. 
to see people living like that and to live like that myself to get a new appreciation. Yeah, I had a friend. Uh, she taught English in Colombia, and she said that she made more than the actual teachers who had worked at the school for like years, decades, maybe, and that the ministry was like, "Don't tell them how much you make." <laughs> and it was the same situation as you. They just show up in Medellin, they apply yeah. for the program, and they don't even have teaching credentials just because you're a token white person from the Western world. You can teach English right? Yeah. alongside a <laughs> actual teacher who teaches English but maybe doesn't speak it that well because they're in Colombia the whole lot. I did have to do a grammar test, which I did oh, okay. ace. I had to have some kind of competence, you know, <laughs> which I aced it, and uh, you know, they figured I was good to go. Uh, yeah. You know, another thing I did was just give conversational English lessons. Where yeah. People will pay you to literally just sit for an hour and talk and you correct their English. And I find they still do that. I could that. do that. I you could do that for I sure. I don't know. Yeah. I can't, I can't teach you grammar and tell you why this is this. Yeah. Like even when I'm trying to teach Spanish to people, they're like, how do you conjugate this? I'm like, dude, I don't even know what conjugate means. And why? I can tell you <laughs> why this is wrong because I know how it sounds and because I just grew up with the language. But I can't tell you the grammatical, structural reason why. Yeah, good point. Yeah, no, neither can I. But you can see the demand uh, for it down there, for sure. Yeah, okay, I had another question. Um, yeah. What the fuck was it like traveling through Venezuela? Like, I'm a Venezuelan born, and I haven't been there in, like, 15 years. I can't go into the country right now because they won't let me out. So if there was anywhere in the world I want to go right now, it's Venezuela. But my entire family's yelling at me, like, don't go! You're going to be trapped forever! You're going to be stuck with a socialist. But you went, I remember you told me you went <laughs> yeah. right before everything crashed in like, what, yeah. 2014 or something? It was actually 2012, yeah. 2012, okay, perfect. Because mm. that, I, I know people were complaining in my family that things were starting to go down, but it wasn't down at that point. Like, I'm sure you saw what Venezuela was like when it was kind of like Colombia is now. Yeah, it was fucked, don't get me wrong. The second I arrived, some cop tried to, you know, fucking scam me uh, and bring me to a taxi and try and collect money from me just for him bringing me to a taxi. So I knew I was, uh, you know, this place was a bit different than anywhere I'd been. But um, how did yeah. you get there? Uh, did you fly into Caracas or something? Yeah, I flew into Caracas. I think it was with, on United via Houston. Pretty simple, easy flight. And um, met my friend there from Holland. We were going to meet in Caracas, and the idea was to bust down to Manaus in Brazil and the Amazon. And, uh, yeah, I, I'd read up on Caracas. I heard, you know, 20 murders a weekend is sort of the yeah, you know, murder the, capital of the world. Yeah. The, and I'm just like, okay, you know, uh, what, what can you do, right? Uh, I, I've been to several places where I was told not to go and got through it okay. So I figured I'd, if I keep my wits about me, I'd get through this as well. Uh, and, again, so apart from that cop, uh, you know, trying to scam me, everyone was really sweet, really awesome, really hospitable friendly we went out that first night we went, we hit up about five bars in one evening you know everyone we were kind of like the only gringos in every single dive we went to so you know we got a lot of attention we just laughed and drank and danced all night and went on a few taxi joy rides we were just kind of like okay if we survive this you know it'd be like eight people crammed into one taxi and he's winging around the corner at you know going 80 kilometers an hour just like okay at that point you just say I've had a great life. It's in you know. It's, it's in, in God's the, hands. It's in God's hands. It's in the universe's hands now. I don't know how I've survived some of this shit, but anyway, uh, great time in Caracas and no problems. Didn't see any violence. I ate the you know ate all the local food and you know. Then we got on a bus to uh, to go to Brazil. I mean, it took it took five days to get there. We had to go by uh, uh, Ciudad Bolivar. Uh, beautiful country, unbelievable, amazing country. The landscape and. You know, these buses were incredible. There'd be, we'd get stopped by military police, you know, every hour or two. 
along the side of the road and with machine guns and they'd line us up outside the bus you oh know, my God, you think check our this <laughs> is the end of my life? <laughs> Again, I'm the only foreigner here. I'm just wondering, what the fuck, you know? And just thinking, this is it. And, um, nope, you know, everyone really cool, even them. They were just checking shit out. I have no idea what they were doing, really. Uh, and then went to uh, Santa Maria on the border. And there it was a bit sketchy at the border of Brazil, um, Venezuela-Brazil. I got brought into a back room there, and all my shit got, you know searched thoroughly took my backpack 100% apartment through all my toiletries everything I'm like I don't know what you're searching for but I don't have it you know and then I started worrying that they were going to plant something on me yeah. I was kind of shitting a bit there I was like damn this is uh... then he, you know then he closed it all up and said okay you can go I guess he figures he wasn't going to get anything out of me so and then we just walked into Brazil there, like, there was no one at the Brazil border they were, must have been on their coffee break we just walked right in uh, no one stamped our passport nothing and before he knew it, I was in a taxi uh, going down to uh, Boa Vista, about two hours south of the border. And then we took a bus to Manaus the next day. Total adventure. It was so beautiful. And, uh, you know, got through it completely unscathed. Uh, yeah, and then to, to see the news two years later of what was happening in Caracas, you know, mm-hmm. just the riots on the streets and young kids dying. And, oh, yeah, it was terrible. Cause, uh, you know, amazing people, the Venezuelans. Yeah, the country would be... So beautiful. It's kind of like Colombia. It has so many varying landscapes. Like you could yeah. be in the, like the what do you call it? the the Llanos is kind of like uh, the plains, and then it obviously has the biggest waterfall in the world. Yeah, mountains uh-huh. and, and the highlands too. Like the right beaches before the I've heard. Amazon. Like beaches. people I've met uh, people that have traveled from Colombia to Venezuela and back and forth, and they say the beaches in in Venezuela are way better. Is that right? Eh? Yeah, because I went to a few beaches in Colombia, and I was never that impressed. Yeah, like Cartagena and those places. They're, yeah. they're all right. Boa Vista, Rosario, they're all right. Mm-hmm. Or what's the place near uh, near Cartagena there? Um, um, Santa Maria, is that? could that be? Playa um, Blanca? I'm yeah, Playa Blanca. Playa Blanca. I, I always okay. heard about people taking like an hour bus or something <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah. Because there was no beach in Cartagena and the wind is like so strong off the shore and there's just like all rocks on the beach. So you have to go out an hour. Yeah. Yeah, not that you can sit in peace on that beach because you're just getting approached the whole time by mm. uh, the. Uh, uh, Gringo, you mas- want to buy this? You want a massage? You want know? some cigarettes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you want some coke? Oh, lots of fun. <laughs> Do you want a special massage? Oh, my friend will join us too. Oh my god, no! Yeah, people are hustling in those countries. Oh yeah, like, it's uh, people don't it's realize like the informal economy down there is just insane. Like it's just so hard to get a job. And if you do get a job, it just pays nothing. That People are just hustling, selling anything you can think of on the streets. Yeah. Like, you know how people always get on the buses? They'll either do, like, a rant saying, like, my situation is so bad. Yeah. And they'll sing a song for you, tell yeah. you a prayer from God. Or they'll try to sell you bubblegum, yeah. keychains. and That's South America-wide, eh? Every single bus. Yeah. In Ecuador. Yeah. Colombia. Yeah. Brazil is the same way. You can just, people get on the bus and sing and tell their life story and then try and collect money on the subway. Some of these are actually really good performers. If it's a good performer, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give them a little yeah, something for Yeah, I had sure. some little kids who got on the bus and started rapping, and I was like, holy shit, this kid's good. They're good. <laughs> I gave them 50,000 pesos, which is like yeah. 20 bucks. <laughs> Unbelievably, though, Frank, um, you know, in uh, 25 years of travel, 50 countries, I've never been jumped or robbed or anything. Really? Like, I don't know how it's possible. I've been to South America like 11 times now, 12 times to Southeast Asia. You and know, you look like the typical and gringo. And I'm such a gringo. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I do speak some of the lo- a bit of a Spanish, a bit of Portuguese, mm-hmm. you know, but obviously with an accent. And I'm very obviously a gringo. Um, but nothing's ever happened. I've been uh, pickpocketed a couple times, like at Carnival. Okay. You know, that's 
Or these guys are masters. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. You know, you'll have a zipped up pocket on your leg, you know, on your leg shorts, and and they'll somehow find a way to get in there without you knowing it. Um, you know, that's happened a couple of times, but never an actual violent. Uh, you know, robbery or jumping or anything like that, which is incredible. Hope that luck continues. Me neither. I almost got jumped, but I ran away. And oh yeah, I think a lot of the world who maybe listening to the podcast saw it. If you follow my Snapchat, you would have seen me. I was literally Snapchatting about how safe Colombia is and blah blah That's blah. That's right. That was and in Bogota, then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Bogota. I was being cheap, and I didn't want to pay the Uber surcharge, so I decided to walk <laughs> along a highway and. As I'm approaching this bush, these two kids pop out, and maybe they're they're still like ten yards away from me, like enough time for me to react and book it. And they flipped a knife out, so that's exactly what I did. I just ran. I yelled in Spanish, like in a very Venezuelan, like "Don't fucking touch me, Mama Guevo!" Wow. And ran, yeah. and then people were like, "You had your phone out. Like you shouldn't have your phone out. No, this papaya." Number one rule, yeah. Don't ever have your phone out. But other than that, I haven't had any issues. And Mm. that was, I told you, I lived in the center of downtown Medellin where people say it's the most dangerous district in the fucking city. Yeah. And nothing happened, dude. Yeah, I always have a bit of money in my pocket. You know, if I do ever get robbed, I'm like, here you go, you know. Exactly. You just carry a uh, photocopy or passport and carry enough money so that if somebody robs you, they're going to feel like it was worth it. Yeah. I was just listening to a podcast before this, and they were giving it bad advice. Like, you don't want to have nothing on you because then they'll stab you for wasting their time. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and then of course a lot of the cops are crooked as well. Yeah, and I've never had to bribe a cop yet. No, I've had. I met so many travelers who had to bribe a cop for having like a joint in their pocket or oh, an yeah. empty baggie of coke. Fuck! I had a cop try to bring me to a, a whorehouse and sell me drugs in uh, in uh, Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the room beside me in the hotel. We made friends. He was a surfer. We were on the coast there uh, near Sao Paulo. And he was. we were hanging out, and suddenly out of the blue, he's like, like you know, you want to go to this whorehouse, and you want to buy some drugs, isn't that? So, you know, maybe I was like, holy shit, this is a cop, you know? I was like, you know, I was talking about with the hotel owner. He's like, oh, yeah, it's, that's normal. No, no big deal. That happens. Just laugh and ignore him. I was like, okay. <laughs> Where she goes, I guess. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to ask you? Okay, if you were to advise a first-time traveler, like if it was me two years ago and I'd never left Canada, what, where would you tell somebody to go and like how would you tell them to prepare for, like maybe you're telling them, I, th- I would assume you'd tell them not to go to a resort for like a week. Like what type of travel would you tell Man, them to try I would try never out? recommend someone go to a resort like an all-inclusive or anything. That is just, uh, you know... I feel that's not good for somebody ex- who's like maybe immobile and yeah, seniors like it. You or somebody know. that's just so tired from work that they need yeah. that beach paradise to like calm down. But, but to go to an all-inclusive where it's the same, you know, you could be in California or you could be in Mexico, you'd be anywhere in the world. It's just going to be the same shit, you know. I would never recommend that to anyone. I would say, you know, um, do your research for one, but not too much. Don't plan every day. Yeah, exactly. you do, don't plan, like, have a, you know, uh, kind of a structured, uh, I'm going to do this on that day. Have an idea what you want to do. You know, have a decent... uh, But you don't have to, like, stick to it as well. Like, if for some reason you found something better and it takes you off route, just fucking do it. Just follow your intuition. And here's another thing is things always change. Nothing ever goes as planned when you're traveling. There's always, you know, curveballs being thrown at you. Things go sideways. You got to... You got to know, be able to, uh, you know, you got to be able to, um, to roll with it when, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of things coming up that are unplanned. So uh, just be open for that. 
and uh, appreciate the experience. Like it's not all going to be uh, easy. You know, you're going to go through some rough times too. Definitely, it can be very difficult. Very difficult traveling. You're going to go. You know, it's not like things are not like they are at home. Yeah, just going to have an open mind and uh, appreciate for what it is. And if you have the best, you know, best experience, great. If you have the worst experience, it's also great in a way because you, uh, you know, you learn a lot from it, and uh, you know, it changes you. It makes you really appreciate what you have. Uh, I wouldn't go somewhere extreme <laughs> first, like I did. Okay, <laughs> I would go somewhere easy. You know, where the, you know, go to Europe. You know, Europe's easy traveling. You know, it's not the cheapest of places, but it's a well, you know, traveled it's a world road. old machine. Yeah, don't go to like Latin America first or or Southeast Asia. I'd say Europe and Australia. I think you could though. I met you some like so? I met some eighteen-year-olds mm. who just travel by themselves to Colombia and stuff. And, like amazing, and Their they first would trip? just go work at hostels or volunteer for english or whatever yeah like wow. just, they look so young like i wouldn't imagine myself when i was 18 having the balls to do that no like i waited till i was 25 and yeah wait yeah 25 last year dude that's when i just first started traveling yeah and i also i love to shit on people who don't learn the language where they live somewhere but i haven't tried to go live somewhere where i don't know the language yet dude uh like, yeah for me it's a little easier like i could talk to the locals because i speak spanish yeah but, like, what if I went to fucking Asia or something and yeah. I'm just, like, a complete culture shock Yeah, by well, myself? you know, all I've, all I've been through in my life, when I went to Japan, nothing could have prepared me for that because um, pretty much no one speaks English there. And oh, really? I thought because it's an international city. No, you would, would think that, but all the signs, everything's in Japanese. You know, everything is lost in translation. Every day I was, you know, as lost as you can be and... I, you know, that became part of the experience. I was enjoying it. It's like, okay, I'm gonna, where am I going to get lost today mm-hmm. and try and find my way out of it? You know, the, all the signs are in Japanese. The subway stations there all have about 10 different companies operating and going to different areas, all with their own system of buying the tickets. And it's just total confusion all the time and uh, very overwhelming. But the people are so friendly. They'll see that even if they don't speak a word of English, they'll, they'll see that you're lost and they'll go out of their way to bring you to a, you know where you want to go that's a common thing i've heard from mm. travelers on shows like this where yeah. they say like they're so lost but these people will go out of their way to help you get to your spot even if you're speaking with your hands and yeah. like maybe buzzwords that you know in the language even if they don't know where they're going like that happened to me too you know that some guy went 15 minutes out of his way then he realized he brought me to the wrong area and he was so you know, embarrassed and <laughs> apologetic. I said, hey, no problem, man. It's all good. You know, we just kind of laughed at it. And uh, that's I, another thing I'd recommend to everyone is what you just said, to go to a place where you don't speak the language and uh, and just kind of, you know, you'll have a new appreciation for life if you have that experience where to go to a place where you're totally lost and 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 don't know what's what, don't know where you're, your way around. Got to figure it out, you know, because it's a challenge. And exactly. It's rewarding, too, in the end. Maybe you're changing my mind a little. Right now, I was thinking, I'm thinking of going to Mexico City just because the flight is so cheap and I can live there for so long. But uh, I'm thinking maybe I should just do a challenge place first and then maybe go settle in Mexico City or something. I don't know, man. Mexico City is a challenge. Is it, it really is? Is it? It's inc- how does it compare to Bogota? Like, oh, well, there's no Bogota is fucking enormous. You fly in and you're like, well, how the hell is this so big? Oh, Mexico City is so huge. In fact, I've been a few times and I've always visited locals and even they are getting lost all the time in their own city trying to show me around it there's so many parts of mexico city so many different regions so many different neighborhoods and, and the culture is incredible there's so much to see i've been uh, i went there for a week you know and then the second time i went for about four days and i still haven't even scratched the surface i would say you know mexico city would be challenging enough for you 
and uh, you know, be a good place to base yourself, and uh, you know, and and take it from there. Do some side trips from there. Why, yeah. why, where were you thinking? Like, what else were you thinking? I've thought about going to Spain. I have family mm. in the Canary Islands. That's somewhere I want to go because there's like my family emigrated from there to Venezuela in the fifties. So my mom went to visit there for the first time recently, and she said we have like this enormous family that really we're barely in contact with. Yeah. And she said, if I just show up there, I can go island hopping basically for free because everybody owns a house somewhere. Wow, that'd be amazing too. So I'm thinking of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have too many options. I have a decent amount of money. So like, How about Mexico City and Spain? That's what I'm thinking because <laughs> I think you can get direct flights. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mexicans yeah. and I assume Mexicans travel there and yeah. Spanish people just travel there. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know, but I kind of want to go to Asia and feel a culture shock. Or I've even thought of going to the Middle East, like Israel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I'm trying to be a journalist, so I kind of like going to these places where shit's happening. Yeah. So well, you should go to places where there's, you know, never a dull moment. And I think uh, Southeast Asia <laughs> fits that bill perfectly. And I'm sure Middle East will, too. Yeah. yeah, I need to... I'm looking at doing a working holiday somewhere to do the next jump from there. Like, I don't know if I'm going to come back here next summer. If I could find a job... You said that last summer, too. I know, <laughs> but I panicked when yeah. I was in Colombia. I thought I was going to run out of money, and it was a lie. Yeah. And... That's the thing about working in uh, tourism, you know, in the city. You yeah, come, you the, work the, hard for the, six, What pulled me was the money, yeah, because yeah. I knew I could... It would be guaranteed that I would have a certain amount of money to leave again. And I don't know. I've met some people who've gone to Australia, and they're like... I didn't save that much money. Like, it's pretty expensive to live there. Yeah, it's like here. It's really, you know, you're not going to save any money there. But I think I'm out of that party phase where you're blowing all your money on the weekends. Like, I know how to save money now. Yeah. Every paycheck, I put, like, at least half of it or the whole paycheck into my savings. So, I know I could pull it off. Yeah, you're pretty disciplined. You'd be able to do that. It's another thing you have to be when you're traveling is, you know, have some degree of discipline. Have you ever heard of this book called Vagabonding? Um, I have not. It's by this travel writer who's pretty famous. And the whole mentality is that before your trip, you prepare your life to live really frugally. So you cut all your costs to the bare minimum. No car, cheapest apartment you could have, eat cheap food, stay healthy. Work Don't your ass off. Work your ass yep. off. And you have that goal in mind the whole time. Like For sure. I'm gonna, that's what we do. We come back that's to Vancouver. We, do, yeah. Yeah. we grind for six months. I hate talking to tourists every day. Sometimes I like yeah. it. But... After 10 hours, I'm burnt out. But I get it, though. You know, I get it. If with our job, uh, you know, we're, we're talking to people that have just arrived, and they're, they have no idea what's going on. Exactly. Even though they're asking us something we've been asked 2,000 times a day, I still get where they're coming from, you know, because they're just completely lost and confused, as I am when I go to those countries. So exactly. That kind of gets me, you know, helps me deal with some of the redundant stuff we go through <laughs> at our job. I still, but, uh, <laughs> I always think of my, like, signpost that I know in October... I will have enough money to go somewhere. So, like, that always snaps me out of the complainingness that I always get into. Yeah, I hear you, brother. I've been having jobs like this for, you know, a long time now here. Just because, you know, I come back and work hard in the summer and then kind of just uh, balance it off with traveling in the winter. Been exactly. I guess it keeps you sane, too. Like for I, sure, yeah. I'd be fucking crazy if I only had two weeks vacation. Oh, yeah. like the, I know. Imagine sitting in an office 50 weeks you know, out of the year, and you, you have to plan your t- precious two weeks, uh, half a year ahead of time. A lot of people live like that, and, you know, I, I fully admit I would not be able to. I would not have the tolerance to do that. I'm too set in my ways. It's so. hard, though. Like, I'm yeah. sure once you get a mortgage <laughs> and you have to make car payments and all this shit, you're trapped into that life unless sure. you can find your way out. Yeah. You have kids popping now, then you're 
Yeah. Then you're trapped into suburban life, and you're like you have to be selfless for your kids and your family and whatever. So that's why that's why we are extremely lucky. And uh, yeah, you know, it's enjoyable. Yeah, just think about it. Like a random dude, even like a prince, maybe like some rich guy, like two hundred years ago, probably doesn't have the opportunity. Didn't have the opportunity to fly around the world and just land in some random place. Like (laughs) no man, I used to take. you know, months to get months. From across the ocean. Yeah, like if when they survive settlers there, right? come from Europe to South America. Oh, yeah. So, like, four months on a boat, you get scurvy, everybody's dying on oh, the yeah. ship and puking and shit. Yeah. And now we're just zipping around the world like it's no problem. Yeah. And complaining when our flight's delayed an hour and a half. Exactly. <laughs> complaining Times about have our changed, man. first world jobs and yep. shit. Oh, life is rough. It is so rough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. This yeah, will serve as a good... We have some perspective. You, you do get some perspective when exactly. you travel. Exactly. Yeah. We're in the park right now. Yeah, I forgot to mention, we're sitting in the park. I hope the audio sounds good. I'm pretty sure it does. And I've heard other podcasts recorded in the park, so I thought it would be a good idea. Beautiful setting. I know. Could not beat it on a day like this. Look at all the tourists out on the ships. Just enjoying life. False Creek. Lovely day from beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. All right, so I don't know if I have any more questions. Maybe we'll cut it here. And thanks Rapper for being up. on the show. My pleasure, Frank. It went really well. Like, Yeah, absolutely. This was fun. I'm going to keep doing this. Keep uh, doing it, man. You're great at it, too. I bought this You're gear because awesome. I want. I always have conversations like this with people around the world. And yeah. I'm always like, dude, this could have been on a fucking podcast. Yeah, because you're not going to remember it. So exactly. you got to record this shit, man. So imagine <laughs> like maybe 10 years from now, we'll do another one. And I'll have yeah. this just giant list of people I've talked to all around the world. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, we'll talk again after I've done my around the world for sure. Exactly. I'm sure there'll yeah. be a new... Uh, I definitely you know, want to hear about that. ...bunch of stories. Another thing that always seems to happen to me is disasters seem to happen after I've been to a place. I've had, I've got this trend where I've been to places and then a tsunami or an earthquake will come through like four or five oh, months really? later. Oh, really? And I just found out today that Lombok in Indonesia has had two major earthquakes and right now it's just absolute chaos. People are trying to get off the island. I was there like five months ago and this has been this trend. This has been happening in the last 15 years for me. So after yeah. you leave? After I leave. About are you three, go- four, are five you not months. going back there anytime soon, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Jordan's next, so hopefully whatever's destined to That's what kind of worries me about going to Mexico City because at this exact time last year, they had a major earthquake. Yeah. Like, I don't know how often they have earthquakes, but that'd be... Man, they have a few, and I went there right after that earthquake, too. And I my felt ho- uh, when I was in Ecuador last November, I've, the first day I was there, there was like a 5.5 earthquake, enough that my bed started shaking. Crazy. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to die in this Airbnb. Yeah. But nothing happened, thank God. Yeah. No, I saw the, some of the damage because I was in Mexico right after, mm-hmm. you know, and some of the stories from people. Yeah, you know, I buildings heard like hundreds of people were injured and maybe oh, died. Oh, yeah. Yeah, buildings collapsed. There were some deaths, Yeah, because sure. then all those buildings aren't up to code. Like, some of them are just brick yeah. and shanty roofs oh, yeah. and whatever but again people just you know they they accept it they smile they you know keep they on go going through life. I've, I've been to the philippines and they they they've been ravaged by typhoons and god yeah. knows what and they still keep smiling it's just amazing you know these people oh that's somewhere i want to go to i love filipino oh, yeah. people and yeah. i want to go to your country at some point yeah they uh it's truly amazing good food good people things are cheap you know everyone's got a smile it's unbelievable it's easy traveling highly recommended I'll, I'll be, that'll be part of my around the world as well. Nice. Well, I hope if you're listening to this, it makes you want to get out of your fucking job at least for like a month. Do just, it. Just do just it. Just do it. Like you don't have to do like we do like five months your first time. Like just do a month, pick a country and just land there, figure it out and tell us how it went. Like send me a message and I hope my brother's listening to this. You should travel, dude. Like after we, we're done selling tickets, go. go Amen there. to that. Just do it. Do it, man. 
All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. I'll be back at some point with some other guest. I'll figure it out soon. Have a great day. Have an awesome day. Thank you. Keep traveling.